Thanks for tuning in tonight. This is part two of our July 2019 laterals tasting. Last week, we brought to you five white wines that we blind tasted and tried to guess what they were, all similar varieties. And today, we're tasting four red wines. We'll explain a little bit about why we're doing this at the beginning, and then we'll dive right in, and we'll save the spoilers for the very end. Enjoy! Tonight we are doing a lateral tasting of some red wines and some white wines. A lateral tasting is where you taste several different varieties of wines in a similar category and try and distinguish them from each other. This can be really helpful because you could have a couple different varieties that are aromatic, but how do you tell that it's a Sauvignon Blanc versus a Tarantes, for example. Tonight we have a guest wine splainer with us, Sierra. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so as we're going through the tasting of each wine individually, we'll we'll dig into what our initial conclusions are and our final conclusions and why we think it's one one grape over another, and then we'll reveal and see if we got it right. So yeah, I think this time we're also going to try and do a little bit of discussion after the reveal of place, region, where we were right, where we were wrong. Um, as well as talk about where we got these wines for locals who might be listening in. Great, let's get started and taste these four red wines. We are on our reds, uh, lateral tastings. And so we did something a little different. We just individually tasted these on our own and evaluated them on our own so we could not be influenced by anybody, anyone else's um, characters or benchmarks or influences so the four grapes that we're tasting tonight are a Syrah, a Pinot Noir, a Sangiovese, and a Tempranillo Rioja Reserva. Okay so we have the first one on deck and it's pale. Yeah let's look at it. Yeah, it is pale. Very pale in color, like easy to read through, and pretty wide variation to it as well, I think. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I felt like there Getting was... Getting a little rim variation. I felt like there was a significant gradient from like the center to the to the outside, but maybe that was just me. Yeah, there for sure is. But I am getting a little bit of staining. Yes. Oddly enough, I think most of them had a little bit of staining to the tears, which I wasn't actually expecting. And this one's like a brick red color, maybe a little orange. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I said brick red with like some brown highlights to it. I think that might be an indicator of age, possibly. Mm -hmm. Super aromatic. Very. Well, I know what my first thought was. I'm uh, curious to see what your first thought was off the nose. Does it start with a B? Yes, it does. Yes. <laughs> does it not start with a B for you, Tara? Because you're looking at us like we're crazy people. <laughs> I think B or B? B. B. What wine do we have that's starting with a B? No, 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 no. no. What, what our first... Smell? The first thing that we smelled. Oh. Like the very standout first note that we smelled. All right, you and I, Heidi, let's say it together. Are you yeah. ready? One, two, three. Bacon. bacon. It entirely oh, smelled like all bacon. Day. That's so so much bacon. Day. So I do a picture. I was thinking. You <laughs> <laughs> drew a picture? I drew a picture. So I'm like, you know when you eat a pepperoni, but like yeah. little spots in it? Like yeah. when you get like little white spots and stuff are like too 
like big and you can really taste it. Uh-huh. So it's like pepperoni, which again, same family of bacon, mm-hmm. but like not the whole pepperoni. It's like the little pieces in it. Mm-hmm. That's why I drew a picture of pepperoni. Yeah. And I pointed to the specs and I'm like, pepperoni pieces, little specs. <laughs> <laughs> this I, so I said smoke, too, which I think is like the characteristic. Sure. Of Definitely is the smoke. I said like char, heat. I think there's some cherry there, but like dusky, hot compote. It's oh, like a campfire. Compost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, almost like yeah. marshmallows. Black pepper, I wrote. Like cedar being burned, kind of, like a big bonfire. It was hard to get past the bacon for me. Oh, so much bacon. Oh, I, like, went gosh. off on this exodus of bacon. Yeah. It was just like, oh, what kind so of bacon? Thick cut bacon, candy yeah. bacon. Bacon with... Uh... Did you bacon immediately? I, I, that's not... I got smoke. I put smoke in Okay. Maybe because you said pepperoni pizza earlier. Like, everything was like... <laughs> I saw that as a joke. <laughs> Yeah, no, bacon was a standout for me. And so knowing that, well, so let's not jump ahead. Yeah. All right. Um, so we described the nose. I guess we should move on to body or palate. You know what I mean. It's only wine number six. So I got a lot more earth <laughs> on the nose, a lot more fruit on the palate for this one. So I got earth and smoke on the nose. I got red cherry and red plum. I'd agree. It's, mm-hmm. it's actually rather juicy on the palate. You know, it, it's like biting into, like, a juicy plum a little bit. Which is surprising after you smell it. Yeah. See, I got some raspberry. Okay. I can almost see both. Raspberry, a touch on the nose, and then a little bit on the palate, mm-hmm. too. But red fruit, for sure. Some tobacco. Decent acid. Mm-hmm. I mean, not overwhelming, but decent acid. Tannin's pretty light. It's not yeah. that grippy. Light body, considering how powerful the nose is. I think sometimes we equate powerful noses with powerful bodies, but it's mm-hmm. not always the case. But there's alcohol on it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say hot. Say one when it has already guess on old world versus new world. New. I actually think old. I think old as well. I think it's because when the earthiness of it. The earthiness, for yeah. sure, and then I wrote the sound. I'm not really picking it up so much now on the nose, but when I first smelled it solo, I wrote down a little funky. Just a little bit down, funky. Um, wet, spicy dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree <laughs> oh, with that, yeah. Sarah. So I think the earth combined with the smoke and the little bit of funk, you, you almost have to go old. Not that New World can't do it. It's just I mean, more common. So I thought maybe Oregon, mm-hmm. because they often copy that funkiness of the old world like sometimes I get a little bit of Brett but you can also still like I'm remembering that gooseneck that we had that was Oregon grapes and I thought that was California because it was so warm yeah so this is definitely warm but um I don't know I when I was tasting the cherry I was like these are like those delicious red Washington cherries I just got so thinking you know northern climate but very sunny and hot. Mm-hmm. I feel like I think more like damp and wet leaves when I think really? of like Oregon, and I just I feel like the heat on this because it, it's maybe I'm going off on a on a limb. It, it just smells like it's a hot climate, and I just feel like Oregon just doesn't get this hot on the nose. Like you said, you got, I didn't have that wine with you guys. That one that turned out some heat. Oh on yeah. It. <clears throat> I see what you're saying about mm-hmm. 
the warm climate though. But I think it's Pinot Noir. I actually think oh, it's Syrah. That's what I think it is. Really? Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. I think the the and it could be and and it could be the bacon. Like I smell bacon, I hit on bacon. I kind of let bacon form my entire conclusion, which if you smell bacon, yeah. you should immediately think Syrah at all times. Really? All times. Bacon that strongly. When we did your blind tasting, we had a super bacony wine that was a Zinfandel that mm-hmm. totally threw me off because I actually enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> I've had some Pinot Noirs that, that do that for me. I feel like they can have bacon notes, but I don't know. I feel like... The bacon combined with the heat combined with the funk. I don't know. I was just really thinking Old World Syrah. I mean, if Pinot has those notes, I don't know of any Old World I, with I, a hot enough climate growing Pinot like what do that. You, what do you think? So that's the only one I didn't put a definite answer on because I was debating between. Um, I was debating between the Syrah and the Rioja. See, I could see that. I, I, sure. I felt like Okay, so when I did my first initial quick taster and I tried to do it quickly like I would for the test, I felt like I was super confident on almost all my answers, except for maybe the second one, which we're about to get to. And then I was like, okay, I think I know what everything is. And then when I did my next round taster, I feel like except for this one, I wavered on all my answers. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, but maybe it's this, but maybe it's this. Like, the first one was the only one I was confident on. It was Syrah. But my outside horse would have been Rioja as well. But it's so pale. I wrote that. I wrote them both. I wrote Syrah and then uh, Tempranillo, Rioja. But after I tasted the rest, I went back and said, yes, Mm -hmm. I think this is Syrah. But based on if you were to do process of elimination... For what I thought for the other ones, I would pick a Syrah. I think. So having a chance to taste them all through yes. via process of elimination. Okay, that's interesting. Because I feel like that's how I arrived for my answer for number two. Alright, red wine number two. On the color, I got red with maybe like a little bit of Purple secondary notes. I definitely got some purple lights purple for sure. in this. Medium concentration. Mm-hmm. Couldn't read, plus. You definitely couldn't read through it. No, I can I, I can see something, but so it's not deep to me, but it's only on the edges. Yeah. Like in the center of it, you you can't see through it, read through it. Okay. Let's smell it. All right, I found this the most repressed of the four wines. Like, it was really kind of hard to dig it's into this out. one. Like Explain that to me, because I feel like I didn't have a good description no, for it. No, I feel like too much oak. Like, Or for somebody that loves oak, it's great. But it's you cannot taste or smell the terroir of what, what the you grape is. You just smell is. the wood. All you do is smell the wood on this. So I got dill and coconut. Okay. So I think it's new, or American oak. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I think I'm nose blind to oak. Because to me, when I smelled it, I like I smell that now, and I smell the, and I think the wood is why I couldn't smell anything. But to me, rather than saying I smell wood, I just said I smell nothing. Like I literally just smell yeah. 
nothing. That's why chew was so hard for me. Fruit led this one for me. <laughs> so more all over the board. I got like purple was the color that came to mind when I was thinking about fruit, but then I got like strawberry jam was the mm -hmm. distinct fruit flavor I got. I got black fruit. If I had to pick a fruit, it would be black. I had red fruit on the nose. Right. So strong. I would even say like black fruit plus the strawberry, like like berries. Mm-hmm. Strawberry button. Get leather again on this. Or actually, no. Tobacco on the last one, leather. Alright, let's try it. Moderate tannins. See, I put medium plus. I put medium plus on the tannin too, but they're fine. They're really yeah, fine, yeah. fine, grippy yeah. little tannins. Like they're tiny tannins. It's, they're tiny tannins, but it's like there's an army of them. Yeah. It's like an army of minion tannins. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting weird, guys. No, I <laughs> just go with it. That makes a lot of sense for some, for some reason. I don't think there's a ton of acidity. No. No, I, I would just say straight medium on the acid. Maybe even moderate minus. Moderate alcohol. Um, I did say uh, I was having a hard time differentiating all the fruit and describing the fruit, but... I did discern very fresh fruit on the palate, and I think more ripe. Definitely like a riper fruit. I will say, out of the four that we tried, this one tasted the most New World to me. Hmm. I think just because of the freshness of the fruit. Oh, I didn't get any of that. <laughs> In all honesty, I figured out my initial conclusion for this one based on the process of elimination, which I think I talked about already. Uh, so I'm definitely confirming negatives more than confirming positives for this one, and that's frustrating for me. <laughs> I mean, just to talk about what it could be or couldn't be, I mean, Chianti's Sangiovese's Trend Orange, mm -hmm. this is purple, so I would just automatically eliminate Yeah, the color, that. the color really, I think, took out anything mm -hmm. aged. Sure. This seems like a younger wine. Um, the dill and the coconut being new American oak, I would either say Pinot Noir or Rioja. Um, Rioja. I say Rioja. I said this is a Rioja. I said Pinot Noir. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Yeah, I did. I mean, I never get like strawberries or that purple feeling from it from Pinot Noir, mm -hmm. and strawberries is one of my strongest in indicators for. Um, Rioja for me is that strawberry jam. So I got that and that's what did it for me. Okay. Being like that jammy spice. When I think of Rioja, mm -hmm. I think of that little hint of spice. Yeah, I put black pepper for this. Mm -hmm. I could see that. Yeah. I don't know. I'm probably wrong. I'm going to stick with Pinot Noir. <laughs> stick with it. Stick with it. We got to. It, it's my in. it's my turn to be the weird one. <laughs> I think. I got you for the rest. Not of that I wasn't always weird, but. <laughs> okay. All right, we are on wine number three of our four, and as far as the sights, this is pretty concentrated. Yeah. Yet I, I, I would say straight garnet. Like it's definitely red to hints of like brick red 
I said brick red with brown. Yeah. Brick red with brown. brown too. Yeah. Ruby. Lighting is everything. So you always need yeah, a white yes. background and good lights. White balance it. <laughs> Multiple sources. Do you remember of that light. when you had video cameras and you had to white balance against a piece of paper? Did you ever do that? I mean, no, not personally. I know it's a thing. I don't know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I used to make those claymation cartoons. You did not. Of that course, you where are yeah, these, Tara? Exactly. Where are? Th- I'm sure we could find them somewhere. Can we put them on like? Facebook and Instagram, please, please. We'll find them. We'll find them. <laughs> my my best one was called Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yes, I'm already interested. I'm already down. Like Breakfast at Tim- Tiffany's, but maybe you it's had the to fact that I'm on camera, camera, you number to take seven, a piece eight. of white paper and you held it up, and then the camera would adjust and say that's what white is, and then it could calibrate the rest of the colors. So I feel like if you don't have a good white background with good lighting it's incredibly hard I feel like all you have to do is go to Instagram these days and use all the filters and see like wow that one color totally changed to another color based Absolutely. on concentration and intensity but yeah I go brick red brown not getting any rim variation or very 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 little yeah it's a pretty thin rim it goes all the way mm-hmm. out to the edge like you can read a little bit on the edge but otherwise it's, it's kind of opaque mm-hmm. a little bit and I saw quick tears on this, but that could be anything. Definitely They're some still uh, still uh, concentration in the tears in terms of color, some staining. All right, on the nose, strawberry. Oh. And she opened back up again. This is my favorite of the three. I felt like we had a moment personally. <laughs> It's better now. Just me in the bottle, the very first taste. It... This is a good wine because it. my notes said developing tight. Like it was very tight. You could tell it was trying to come out, but it. She I gave, was having trouble. She gave me a sneak preview on the very, very first taste, and then it closed back up again on my... It's the Venus flytrap. <laughs> it is a little bit. So when we did the solo tastings in the beginning, it was complete silence for a solid 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. I personally tasted through all four pretty quick, kind of like just got my instincts down and then retasted them a second time. And then I even went back for like two. I was a little unsure of a third time. I was really confident in my initial conclusions the first time through. And then like every successive time I tasted through it, I felt like I was second guessing myself. I'm going with my first instinct on this one and the very first experience I had with it, which the notes I wrote down were musky, aromatic, a hint of funk on the nose, but beautifully perfumed. Cherry, dusty, a bit of heat. Um, the palette was a bit tight, even in that first one. I thought the nose was open, but the palette was a bit tight. Um, and it wasn't overly acidic. It was just kind of medium acid. So you think this is a Pinot Noir? Nope. Oh. I think it's Rioja. I think it's a Rioja Reserva. I don't think it's a Crianza. I think it's a Rioja Reserva. I I, to me, okay, just a throwback between the three of us right here. This was our very first, before we even started the podcast, blind tasting we did on Spain. And Heidi, you brought that incredible Reserva. The Cune? Yeah. This smelled to me exactly like that. Really? And tasted like it too. 
So I want Sanchevese on this one. <laughs> Same. I almost Chianti. I almost second guess myself. My my second on this was Chianti. And in my second and third times through, I really almost talked myself out of it and I decided to stick to my guns. I, I think Riojas can be light and delicate. I think Riojas, we've always said, like can almost be Burgundian in character. Mm-hmm. I think it's Rioja. Yeah. I just, the tightness to me, I feel like there's pretty good tannins on that that need food to mellow out. Um, I oak led this one for me. I got some spice. Same. I got a lot of earth. Which if you think about it, Riojas are more oak than Chiantis are. But I got distinct dill and coconut on number two, which is why that pushed me towards, and strawberries, which pushed me to that. And I know we should be starting all over with each one, like you said, but um, I don't, just like the dryness of this one. I don't know anything about the Pinot that whoever brought, because I don't even know who brought it. I forget those texts were three days ago, which was an eternity in my life. But, uh, I mean, that Pinot could have a lot of New American oak on it. So, I mean, again, I'm putting this in context yeah. of what my conclusions were, which I think yeah. number two is a Pinot Noir. And I think that could have American oak on it and go that dill and that coconut. Okay. So I got strawberry and cranberry on this, and I have a lot of oak on this as well. But by... My process of elimination by what I thought the number one, number two, and number three was, and the, like one and two, I went back and forth, and then once I tasted the fourth one, I said, okay, this is the Pinot. I think it's mm-hmm. Pinot. I could believe that. I'm getting cranberry. So wait, at this point, we have me, Rioja, Tara Chianti, Heidi Pinot. And Chianti. And then Tara, or but Sierra, you think it's the Chianti too? Do you too? think Pinot Noir would have that high of tannins? I'm not. Pinot Noir is pretty tannic. It's just a different kind of tannins. Fine tannin. Which is why I thought it was number two. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't say that very loudly. So which got, is why I thought it was number two. <laughs> <laughs> I got like slightly above average alcohol. I said 14%. High tannins, moderate acidity. Maybe moderate plus acidity. Do you want to move on to number four real quick? Sure. Okay, so we're in wine number four of the reds. So as far as color, it's pretty clear concentration, I would say. Really? I actually think it's semi-opaque. Yeah, I just changed my previous thing from moderate to deep concentration. Oh, really? Okay. You can't read through this. It's it's got a no, it's got a dark no, you're center. you're right. You're right. You can only read I, on the this edges. This is the deepest of the four to me. I agreed. Brick red, maybe some orange. Mm-hmm. I got hints of orange in it. And then as far as the smell, a little dusty. Dusty for sure. Hot baked fruit. See, I got. Cherry. Mm-hmm. I got very red fruit. Pomegranate. I think oh, it might be one. cherry tomatoes, but that might be conf- or oregano. Confirmation bias on my part. <laughs> so I'm getting a lot of herbs on this one. Yes. Yeah. I have herbs 
de Provence. Yeah. Which, sorry, is south of France. Yeah. Well, that's where Provence is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but judging by Not to mind explain it, but... <laughs> judging by y'all's answer to number one, you've precluded that from being this one. But nothing else fits the, the thing But I think me. Herbs de Provence doesn't automatically lock you into no. a, a, a location. I don't. That has been my, like, go-to indicator for French Syrah. Okay. Is that, like, Greek. It's... It's the the lavender, it's the oregano, okay. it's the okay. wild herby. Sure, I can see that. So I smelled that, and it, it does it does have there. a feralness kind yeah. of a little mm-hmm. bit to the nose, which is kind of interesting. We all got at least two of them. You were actually if I if I'm going <laughs> yeah. yeah no we, yes, yes. they're so <laughs> either one of us just like killed it out of, yeah. like at a hundred percent or we're all a little bit wrong. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm nearly fifty. I'm getting oak. Yeah. Like van- I'm vanilla specifically. Yeah, vanilla. Yeah, vanilla for sure. So it was like vanilla cherry pie. Mm-hmm. Like I thought it just smelled. This one I wrote yum, period. <laughs> <laughs> That's I actually kind of like when I went back and retasted again, I felt on the palate. It was like a little chocolatey, a little mocha. I got the chocolate. See, not really light. <laughs> it tastes very, very light. So that's why my answer was my answer. Cause... How about some black olive? Mm-hmm. Anyone? Yeah, Anyone? it's savory for sure. God damn it, Tara. I'm sorry. Convincing just... me that I'm wrong and I was really this sticking is the one to my This We're not changing answers at this point. Oh, the 100% no, sure. No, no. I, I mean, even yeah. underlined it. What did you I'm sorry. I'm like, this is definitely a Pinot Noir. Oh. Oh, wow. I, w- <laughs> I, I a little bit process of elimination this. I mean, we're jumping ahead here, but we whatever. So it's the I end of the it. night. It's the last one. We'll jump ahead if we freaking feel like it, all right? <laughs> We've done really good at following the chart, and sometimes you just got to throw the chart out the window. Um, I kind of, through process of elimination a little bit, because I was so certain number one was Syrah, I really thought number two was probably Pinot Noir. I was so pretty certain three was Rioja, maybe Chianti. I basically left this one to be Chianti. Thank you. And I thought it was Chianti because, and this is what the hill I'm going to die on because I'm not going to change yeah. my answer, is I did get a little bit of a metallic bitter note in the back of my mouth, in the back of my throat, and I get that off of Chianti. Okay. Now, I got... Out of all of them, this one had the most herbs, the most, like, sense of place. As far as, like, what grows together goes together. Mm-hmm. And totally, like, tomatoes, oregano. I get tomatoes in my nose. Every time I take yeah. a swallow, I feel like I can smell tomatoes growing. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of black olives. Like, the solemnity that comes with black olives and... But I'll admit, Tara, the chocolate and the mocha threw me off. That is never a yeah. note I have ever ascribed to Chianti. And one of the few grapes that I do describe it to, which I know is in the state scene, is Syrah. Yep. So, I mean, like... This you, is the one you, that I was like, I know what that is. This is why I was saying, like, you could convince me that I'm wrong, this, but I'm, I'm so glad to my guts. speak about this. Like, we didn't, like... Yeah, we would have convinced yeah, each other. I'm so glad we did. But, yeah, the olives... 
So that's another thing. I didn't pick that up, but when you said it, that's another note that I would always get on French Syrah. Um, because it's like that, it's that southern savory Mediterranean sure. note. And, and I, there was I olives that grow in the south of France. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. grow in more than just yeah, Italy. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. And I don't get that in Chianti, really. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I get the tomato. Which is odd because you should, because almost every single Chianti producer is also an mm-hmm. olive oil producer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most of them grow olive trees same, right next to their the damn vines. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, those are my guesses. I feel. I feel good that we all, I feel like we're all pretty sticking to our guns on this one, so it's going to be really interesting. One funny. of us is wrong! <laughs> Three. Uh, a lot of us. A lot of us are wrong. I'm very impressed with us, not to toot our own horn, but I'm really impressed with us. Totally, I could use it. I feel a little beat up. <laughs> this was another really good lateral tasting. I mean, we these are grapes that we've confused Previously, these are grapes that we've tasted previously and said, gosh, how on earth would we distinguish this from this? And they're, I mean, they're not wildly different. I mean, number one had a lot of smoke. Number three was really dry. Number four had a lot of herbs. And number two was a little bit more purple than the other ones. But, like, I don't think that's enough to really... It, the diff- it's it's fine points on the differences. I think yeah. I feel like to go back to you, Heidi. Like we were both pretty confident on number one. The only wine that had an overwhelming note, I feel like, was number one, which is yeah. why it was the only one I was like, I am certain it's this. That's and what I'm going to die on that hill. It's this. <laughs> the only thing that threw me off on that one was the color. Mm-hmm. It was very, very light. It was translucent. Even more yeah. Colored. It was, yeah, it was actually the lightest, I think, of it the was. four. It was definitely the lightest of the four. And normally that would tip you off to yeah. Pinot, but I think... Yeah. But, you can't, but not I mean, you uh, when you smell it, no. Yeah. So I think what is interesting for this, just as wine people, is that these are probably all in the same price region, I'm guessing, because we all went out and bought wines that were, like, drinking one of nine in one night, so... Mm-hmm. You can't spend a ton of money unless you're looking for something very specific and it's the only thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing we probably paid a little less than 20 bucks on yeah. average. Mm-hmm. I would say in between probably 13 and 20 for yeah. all of these wines, which is roughly the same tier yeah. for these grapes. All of these could be old world. I would guess that the Pinot Noir is probably new. New world. I don't know. I don't bring it. But yeah. <laughs> Heidi, what's the Pinot Noir? I mean, just like, is it New World or Old World? It's New World. New World. Okay. It is New World. So, okay. Um, I, yeah, I took a guess that the Pinot Noir world. was probably New World. So, okay. Should we, we know what, we know what our guesses are. Should we uncover them? Oh, absolutely. Let's do this. Yeah. All right. Numero uno. <laughs> All right. Number one, I was convinced it was Syrah. Heidi was convinced it was Syrah. Terry, you were convinced it was? Pinot Noir. And Sierra? Syrah. Syrah. So three Syrah to one Pinot. Verdict is? Fuck, it was Pinot Noir. Shut the fuck up. It was Francis Coppola. Okay, uh, I brought 2016 <laughs> Sonoma Coast, Sonoma County. Are you Pinot sure Noir. these bags are not mixed up? That's number one. We need to taste it. It's that number one. <laughs> That's, that color, that is a, 
I know it is, noir. but it's nothing. It said it's you can have Pinot Noir on it. the back. It says I've got all the notes on it. Okay, I've got all the notes on this. What the fuck? That's man. what I'm saying. Sorry, we're cursing on this episode of this. That's what blind taste will yeah. do to you. Where's my glasses, man? All right. If that's wrong, then I feel like everything's wrong. Okay, point for me. <laughs> okay, so for this uh, Francis Ford Coppola director's Pinot Noir. It's a blend from seven different Russian River Valley vineyards, highlighting different regions and microclimates. So they do open top fermentations and daily punch downs to extract color and flavor, aged in French and Hungarian oak. So I bet they're getting some wild yeast in there if it's open top barrels. Um, which you guys both said there's a little bit of funk or something on yeah, there. Yeah, definitely a little funky to it. And if they're doing French or and Hungarian oak, they're really trying to stay away from dill, coconut, vanilla, mm -hmm. anything like that. So 2016 was a traditional vintage when uh, it was a cold and wet winter, which gave way to warm summer days. Yeah, I'm reading from my notes, so... Harvest uh, unfolded at a slow pace because temperatures went from up and down for weeks. So only picked small lots at a time when ready. So this 100% Pinot Noir, eight months and 82% French and 18% Hungarian oak. Which makes sense, which is why everybody thought it was old world. I guess Oregon, because I feel like you get more of that natural yeast and but to me like climate it just wasn't where is that bacon it was it was from? it was is heat. It, the east? it was the heat you know what it's I'm, gotta be they've gotta char those barrels i'm sorry i think there has got to be a chunk of syrah in this i really 100 pinot noir i really 100 percent yeah i've had pinot noirs that are that's it's smoke and bake like it's, I don't know, it, that's got to be like a winemaking technique because we had that Zinfandel, you weren't there, yeah. at Heidi's um, tasting, John brought the a Predator, Predator Zinfandel that we were Old all like, fine whoa, like Lodi. total bacon. I've had Pinot Noirs that do the same thing. I thought that was a Pinot Noir. It's, I mean, the color was there, but I've seen Syrahs be that light. Yeah, I, 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 and I just I know how frequently Syrah can be blended with Pinot. I really did not think any Pinot could achieve this level of I bacon without Syrah. I don't think this is a Syrah. great example of a Sonoma Coast Pinot Noir. I well, it's I don't know how. Yeah, I don't know how they because this the will be Coast. on our test. This is this is one yeah. that could be on our mm -hmm. exam, but I don't think it's a classic example of typicity for Pinot Noir from there. I think the color, I know that Syrahs can be really light, but I don't think that we're going to be examined on Syrahs that are that light. Like, I think the typical Syrahs that we're going to get are probably a little bit deeper. I mean, I agree. I, I Like I said before, I think it was the overwhelming note of bacon. I really felt like you couldn't ignore that. I would hope that on the test... They the, wouldn't do the that. The Psalms wouldn't give yeah. us a Pinot Noir with such an they overwhelming... Wouldn't. They wouldn't. I, I, I'm, I'm going to give myself a pass on this. I really am. Because Me to too. be that But bacon I'm going to give you like... A thousand... Like, yeah, you yes. and the internets today, Tara. <laughs> Good job. Maybe my red palette should be better than my white pieces. 
quote unquote 100% on the white test, but yeah. I feel like I was cheating. I feel like I only got there because of heavy influence by Sir by Sierra and the rest of you guys. Because <laughs> I changed that all I changed all my answers before we went to the reveal. No, this is like good. not a single one was the same. <laughs> I got them all right, but it doesn't feel well, like it was like my accomplishment. You have three more that you could be right on. So no, I'm pretty no. sure they're all two, wrong. You have two, two more that you could be right. Yeah, on. I'm pretty sure. Pretty we, sure they're all wrong. Told you the high score would be fifty. Oh my god, I, I liked that though. I, I. Do you know what? If I get number, if I get number three right, I'll call it a win. All right. I don't think I got it right. I hope you did. If somebody asked for a Pinot Noir, would you ever? suggest that nope nope it doesn't have any of the pairing qualities i usually pair no. with it really it doesn't, doesn't. Have a pairing but if you like it's a great wine body it's great I, lo I love it but yeah. i'll be honest like as, as, I, was, I, was, I was as i was tasting it as i was tasting it i was just like oh i gotta find out where they got this bottle from so i can go get another like i i really like the wine the wine is delicious and amazing yeah it's just Totally atypical. It's not totally at all atypical. something, that could be for, something blinding. for devil's advocate. That could be something fun of someone who's like, oh, I drink a lot of Pinot Noir, but like, I want to try Or somebody that right. loves Syrah. Well, hey, that's me, literally yeah. right here. I'm not a Pinot Noir drinker, and hello, this is same. Yeah. Delicious. She, she hates Pinot. She loves that. All right, so not to go on a total tangent on yeah. the podcast. Sorry, guys. We're just going for it. Um, I've actually been to Francis Ford Coppola. I've been to the winery. I've been to all the things. It is adult Disneyland. It is the most incredible thing I've ever seen. I was super lucky. Like, they have a restaurant on site. Me and my group got catered this incredible, like, four-course meal outside Al Fresco on the patio. The sun was setting over the Maya Commons. It was just, like, just incredible. It was incredible. And uh, I encourage everybody to go. Like, I really like Francis Ford Coppola wines. I really mm -hmm. do. And I think... A lot of their wines I've had have been quite typical. I'm, I'm, I'll be honest. I don't think I've ever had the director's cut Pinot Noir, so I had no pre knowledge coming into this. And wow, yeah, I don't think I clearly I I'm throwing things now. Clearly, I did not nail it for Pinot Noir. No. All right, well, let's see how we did on the next three. Not well. <laughs> now I'm scared. I now know. it's all bad. <laughs> oh. It doesn't just know. It's okay. I'll, I can <laughs> it doesn't like you, Tara. <laughs> I can edit. Alright, so we're on the reveal to wine number two, which I thought must be New World Pinot Noir, but given that <laughs> wine number one was Francis Ford Coppola's director's cut Pinot Noir, I am very much wrong. <laughs> As am I. So what is it? So let's... Uh, what, what? I don't know, you guys. Who thought it was Pete? What do you I guys did. say for number two? <laughs> well, let's walk through the tasting grid. So this one's got a little bit more purple to it, right? Yeah. And the color? Yeah, I definitely said purple, purple. lights, ruby, which I thought was Pinot Noir. Uh, which it usually is. Fresher fruit, more ripe, fine, fine, grippy tannin. I definitely thought it was New World. All right, but it's not Pinot Noir, and that's what I thought it was. So those two. So what I got out of this, I thought purple fruit. I also got strawberry jam was a very distinctive flavor for me. Okay. Um, I also got dill and coconut, which would lead me to be American oak. And my biggest distinguishing 
taster for Rioja is strawberry jam. So I'm leaning. Sierra, you thought it was also Rioja, Rioja. right? Because I got the spicy jammy flavor from it. I mean, that would mean that I have to say that I'm wrong on number three, which I thought was Rioja. So I'm not willing to go there yet. I, you know what, I'm just going to try and switch the first two in hopes that three and four of my conclusion were right. So I think this might be Syrah. Okay. I don't know why. I just want to be right. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. What about you, Heidi? So I'm in the same camp as Tara and Sierra. Um, I get black fruit, but I get a lot of oak on this wine. Cinnamon, vanilla. Mm -hmm. I get some leather. Uh, medium plus tannins, black pepper. Uh, I'm with you on the leather. On the palate, it's a rustic. No. On the palate, it's so good. I get on the smell. Mm. It is really good. Are right, we ready for the reveal? It's a nice warm one. Yeah, right. we're ready. This one is. Hey guys, this is Syrah. No way. <laughs> It is a Cote d'Aron from France. It's the Saint Cosme or Cosme, but I think it's Cosme. Uh, 2017 Cote d'Aron. Well, fuck. So this. Where at? This is from <laughs> close to Giganda. It's imported by Winebow, which is also Stakehole as we know it in uh, Saint Pete and in uh, Florida as the distributor. So Giganda. Uh, Southern Rome. It is Southern Rhone. It doesn't necessarily mean 100% Syrah. Do we think this it's, is 100? It is 100% Syrah. Okay, so you brought this, Tara. Tell yep. us more. I brought this one. Uh, looking for my notes here. So this one's super interesting. This um, this is north of Gigonda. The rule for Syrah in the Rhone is that the minimum is 30% Grenache, unless you are in a vineyard north of Montalima. Really? Yes. So in northern southern Rhone. <laughs> There's a tongue twister. <laughs> uh, you can have 100% Syrah. Yeah. And this is 100% Syrah. Um, so I think it's really interesting. Normally, I think we'd be tasting. Like you hear Cote de Rhone. The point of Cote de Rhone is that it's majority Grenache. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is interesting because it says Cote de Rhone. But it's 100% Syrah. Um, I'll be honest. Like, when I first... Uh, I noticed that it says Giganda on the back label. And when I first had a Giganda, I think it was 100% Syrah. And I remember thinking it was a Northern Rhone because of that. And when I went back later in my studies, I'm like, oh, it's in Southern Rhone. Why did I think that? And I think I probably had one of those loophole Southern Rhones from Giganda, which happened to be 100% Syrah. And I think Giganda in general is not usually 100%. It's not, syrup. actually, because when I went back, I was just like, yeah. wow, I was just totally whacked on that. Yeah. But I think I just had one of those odd, thank you for making me not feel like a crazy person. Because <laughs> well, the rest of the night crazy. has made me feel like, I never knew about this loophole. All yeah. right, please continue. So north of Montalima, you don't have to have a minimum of Grenache. But south of Montalima, minimum 30% Grenache. Okay. Really? So, Sorry? Is there a reason? I don't know. Um, They're French. Yeah. (laughs) They they do what they want. I mean, the south of Rhone is really known for the the Grenache Syrah Moubed 
blends. It's all about blends. I yeah, mean, like thirteen the, grapes blends. The 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 prestige of yours. It's it's almost like Bordeaux, where it's just like it almost becomes like the secret family recipe, in a, in a little bit. You know, it's just like we all blend, but I'm the only one who has my particular blend mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, and that's what makes me so different from my neighbors. So this is 2017. Um, it's proving to be good, but it's still really too recent to know for sure. I think this one could sit for a little open. while. Um, it's still pretty tannic. It was it was hard to dig into, which is maybe why I thought it was Pinot Noir know. outside of the whole bacon false flag. Yeah, was you know I don't drink a lot of Pinot, so I thought okay maybe this is. Pinot that slides into my blind spot because I don't drink a lot of it. Um, yields were low in 2017 because of couleur, which is called grape shatter, which means that High winds, there's like winds bud. or rains yeah. or frost or something that prevents the buds from being fertilized and turning into grapes. So Knowing low the yields, better, yeah. better quality. So this is like actually a pretty quality... Um, Knowing the Vintage. knowing the Rhone, it was probably winds. It was probably the, the Mistral, mm-hmm. um, because it's a problem that happens in a lot of southern France. It's called shatter, where winds at the wrong time. If it blows off the flower, you never get the grapes. So you get these very odd-looking uh, grape bunches that are like missing holes, kind of. Yeah. So the tasting notes suggest blueberry, truffle, fennel, and wild raspberry. Um, partially destemmed fruit, tank aging, limestone, sand, red clay, and pebbles. Uh, I got this wine for I think I think it was thirteen bucks, something incredibly reasonable mm-hmm. uh, at Rolla Notes. Mm. Wow. Great buy. I would, yeah. Even thinking that this was a Pinot Noir initially, which is not generally my personal kind of grape, I would, I'd go back for a bottle of this one. Yeah, I think, I think this is a very good deal. Yeah. Even, I mean, I would have drank this as a Tempranillo. <laughs> we're all wrong. <laughs> Are we're we the only all... ones screwing up? Yeah, we're all humble grape. tonight. <laughs> No, nope. I thought this was a Tempranillo. Oh. <laughs> You've gotten everything right so far, Heidi. No, I haven't. No. Oh, no, I yeah, told you missed you a lot. At least 50% Sarah, Sarah, you, we, oh, you thought this was a Rioja as well, so nobody got this yeah. one right. No, no one got we it We right. thought it was Pinot Noir, like or we thought trick. it was... Yeah. I mean, so maybe the strawberry jam was actually the raspberry that I was getting, and American oak, I mean, clearly wrong on that. He doesn't say what... Um, what kind of oak key aged this in? All of these were loopholes. None of loopholes. All loopholes. All right. Number three. Number three. Okay. All right, guys. So this is wine number three. This was my sight unseen favorite wine of the night. Um, I feel like I got a handle on it, but all of my group disagreed with me tonight and I've been very wrong on many things. So, you know, let's see what happens. <laughs> but in my, uh, just to recap a little bit, um, definitely got a lot of aromatics that were a little bit 
musky, a little bit funky, but still a beautiful perfume to them. Cherry, dusty, a bit of heat. Um, nice tannins, uh, but not overwhelming and not too acidic. I do think it's a warmer climate. I felt like I got some heat off the nose. All right, but you guys talk to me a little bit. What I thought it was Rioja, but I'm the only one who thinks that. So what did you guys think? So I, uh, I got Ruby as well, medium plus concentration. I call this a Pinot Noir. It's not as we learned earlier. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, following it up, what, what could it be? Okay, so I'm getting strawberry cranberry. Oh, I got a fruit. lot of vanilla. Red fruit, right? Right. Ripe fruit. Mm-hmm. Compote. Yep. Definitely vanilla. So I originally called this Chianti. Knowing what I know now and smelling this again, I'm going to change my answer. So this... Do you think I'm right, Tara? I think you're right. Yes! Courtney, yeah. Sorry. So, I um, need what little ego boost I can get because this tasting has been incredibly humbling. Oh. <laughs> so, and I mean, I don't want to be wrong because I need, I need every right answer I can get also. But so when I first tasted this, it felt tight. It felt very dry. That's all I was really getting off of it. I, got, I said oak lead. I got spice. I got earth. Um, I got high tannins, cranberry. So I went, I went Chianti. I went San Giovese. Why I'm reconsidering that now is it's actually pretty smooth. Mm -hmm. um, the the nose smelled a little bit more fruity, a little bit more jammy. I'm getting more of that like vanilla, whereas I think with our notes for number four, we we kind of chatted a little bit, and I got herbs and olives and a lot of savory notes, which are often pretty typical of Chianti. So that's why mm -hmm. just between three and four at this point, I'm, I'm going to agree. No, knowing what we know yeah, about one and two. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go for the reveal. Okay. This is... Oh, it is a Rioja. It's a 2012 Reserva. So it's eight years old uh, for Marquez de Riscal. Eight years old, seven years old. I can math. I just do wine for a living. <laughs> I've got some good notes for this wine. Okay, yeah. Uh, so Heidi brought this. Please tell us. Okay. So this is a 2012. It's from Rioja Elvesa. Elvesa. It's one of Rioja's oldest and most famous wine estates. So it's predominantly uh, Tempranillo. The winemaker, his name is Paco, and he represent, represents the family and there is a rivalry, rivalry, sorry guys, it's been a long night, <laughs> between... And we're not nine bottles in. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> between uh, this producer and Marchese de Murrieta. I believe that. Yeah, there is. So the wine was uh, built on the French model by a diplomat that was living in Bordeaux. and He moved over to Rioja. Was he scared by phylloxera? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm getting these notes from Jan Jancis Robinson. Okay. okay. So, shout out. Shout out. Uh, Talk so, about the badass women in wine right there. That's true. <laughs> Thank so, you, Jancis. <laughs> this, 
particular wine is their flagship label and it's their classic uh, from the winery. Um, she preferred, now when I was reading this article from her, she loved the 2010, she did taste the 2012, but she said it was too young in 2013. So we're tasting it in 2019. Yeah, so we're talking, you know. And we still think I can math, hold on. Three, nine minus three is six. Six years later. <laughs> and it's still young. Yeah, it is. But you know what? This confirms to me that I am not drinking enough Reserva Rioja in my life because there is a part of me in my soul that just responds to it. And I love it. And this is my, and I really think, Heidi, the only reason why my first knee jerk, this has to be Rioja, is it reminded me so much of that Cune Reserva oh, yes. you brought. Yeah. Like it was an immediate connection in my brain. I'm like, this is that wine. And I like, but you must drink enough to know. No, I feel like that was the last Reserva Rioja I had, and I feel like I discovered Rioja a couple years ago, and I've had it every chance I can get. So I've had it a handful of times, and I'm just I'm I'm flummoxed. It I thought number two was Rioja. I get strawberry jam. I think number two could have been Rioja if it was Crianza. And granted, I didn't yeah, quite, point. quite know if this was, like, I knew there was a Rioja in the lineup, but I didn't know what the level of quality was. I think if it wasn't just for the, the, the like, lightning bolt of clarity where I'm like, this equals Q and Reserva that Heidi brought. Like, it was that specific for me on my very first uh, sniff, on my very first taste. I don't think that I felt like I couldn't, I couldn't ignore that. I don't think this stands up to that. One. I think the Cune was better, and that should tell oh, you yeah, something because sure. this is my favorite wine of the night. So the Cune was that, okay. <laughs> was that freaking good. Uh, but I still think. I mean, where did you get this from, Heidi? What did you pay for it? Sorry, I got it at Costco. Costco. Yay, Costco! <laughs> Clearly, you know, if only for the wine, I need to get a membership. They have <laughs> the best wines, but I think this was about fifteen, sixteen dollars. So we were saying that yeah. everything was probably between thirteen and twenty. Yeah. Honestly, I, I know the Cune ran you about thirty bucks. Yeah. And we were all like, worth it. But for fifteen dollars at half price, this is really fucking good. It is. Excuse me, it it's is. late at night. I've had a lot of wine. It was really fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> I drink it again. <laughs> I like that little coda on it, Tara. <laughs> Would have again. <laughs> it's pretty far from my face. This one, if you are going to have this one, uh, decant it. Open it up for a minute because it was super tight for me after well, first you know, being poured. Okay, so let me tell you this. This is the first one I opened up. Like, I opened this up at 530. It's 1230 now. We've been so, drinking for a while. But, but I'll I, tell you, opening a bottle and not pouring it out... You're only I know, getting I know. a quarter of an inch. And that should tell people. Oxygen. Like, Actually, that's one of my pet peeves as a wine professional. People are, who are like, let me just pop the cork and let it breathe. You haven't done anything. Sure. In all honesty, the only way you can actually change the character of the wine is to decant. transfer containers. Whether that be decant it, whether it's poured. 
You know, it, more it, surface area. You have to introduce oxygen more in yeah. some way. I mean, I don't fully believe in Venturi. Sorry, Venturi, if you're going to sponsor us. I don't fully believe in Venturi's. I think they're a stupid, expensive piece of plastic when all you have to do is pour wine from one container into the other and achieve the same effect. If you put a little effort behind it. I had a Venturi. It. it was 20 bucks, and I got it as a gift. And Gifts made, are a great way to get it. It has made some... <laughs> $8 wines taste like $20. Oh, it can't. It's not that yeah. it doesn't work. It does. I mean, I will fully endorse Venturi's for working. They absolutely work. I just you think... You get that effect in another I way. just think it's 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 an unnecessary expense for a gadget when you can achieve the same effect in a pretty free kind of way. <laughs> yeah. So we've, we've joked that we have some uh, decanters that we use... Um, we listen to Wine for Normal People obsessively as this group, and um, Elizabeth, we know, has mentioned and joked that she just pours it in a glass, and if you pour it in a glass and you leave it in the glass for enough time, that it will open up even better than it will if you use a decanter. Work so. on your swir swirling skills, guys. Just, you know, don't pour it on your shirt like I did the other day. <laughs> <Me> <laughs> Look, my swirl has, has oomph behind it, yeah. all right? <laughs> swirl it good. Okay, wine number four. We are on our final fourth red wine of the evening, and it can only be one thing. It can only <laughs> be one thing. That's right, Courtney. It's very clear, almost like a Pinot Noir, but it's not. This one was a little tough. Like when I did my first initial taste through, I thought for sure I knew number one, and you know, spoiler alert, I did not. Um, I thought was pretty sure I knew number three, which I did get. And then kind of through process elimination, I got to two and four. Um, but I did find things with four that I leaned towards that ended up coming through for me. So I found in the color being red to garnet, with mm -hmm. a little bit of brick, mm -hmm. maybe a hint of orange, but it's not overly prevalent. Mm -hmm, right. But given what this has to be, I still think true to color. I agree. Yeah, I said brick red, orange secondary notes. So smelling it, who had notes on the nose? Cherry. Yeah. I felt like it tasted or smelled very baked. Like baked well, I know fruits. we had talks about herbs of Provence, oregano, cherry tomatoes. Absolutely. Yep. Olive. Olives. Chocolate. Yeah. Well, I found chocolate more on the palate than I did in the nose. Um, anyway, just for chocolate the reveal. For sure, though. I got chocolate on the nose, too. Just for the reveal. So I did think that this was Chianti. What did you guys think it was? Chianti. I thought this was the Syrah. Okay. Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir. It was the Chianti. It's a 2012 Chianti Classico Reserva. 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 Jesus. It's not late at night. Um, from Tenuta Forconi, and I did also get this one. Guys, you're going to be really shocked. I got it from 4th and Vine on 4th okay. Street in St. Pete. Um, she actually carries the quote-unquote entry level for this, which is just the regular Chianti from Tenuta Forconi, at like an $11 buy is excellent. It's hard to find a reliable Chianti these days. Yes, it is. And when I went in there, I was actually going to get that wine. And then when I went in, I was like, oh, shit, she got the Chianti Classico Reserva. And it was only like $19. I was like, I'm going to get that one. Mm -hmm. 
So I got that one instead. It's a Chianti Classico Reserva. And I wasn't entirely, like I said before, I wasn't entirely sure that this was a Chianti. It was a little bit process of elimination, but the color is right on. The tasty notes, honestly, that y'all came up with was right on. The cherry tomatoes, the herbs, the, all that was right on. And then I did get a little bit of like a metallic note in the back of my throat. And I think that is so classic. You get Sandy the iodine, Rezé. right? Like the... Iodine I find is more Syrah, but the, that metallic note, I think you said something even Nickel. on this too, Sierra. It's, there, there is a little bit of that like... They always say it's like a it's like licking a penny or smelling a penny when it comes to Sangiovese, but there's that metallic metallic note, like bitter note that is nickel. very very nickel, specific said, right? to Sangiovese. I think that was actually one of our whites. I think it was too. <laughs> so what I've learned from this ex exercise is that. It's not good enough to have a single initial conclusion. I need two. So I I got the savory notes, I got the herbs, I got the cherry, I got some oak. Yes, that pushed me towards Syrah, but that could have also pushed me towards uh, Sangiovese um, from Chianti. So being able to be open-minded and having those multiple initial conclusions and then being able to go back and say, okay, well, what were the tannins? What were the acid? Is there anything that like makes it more this than that? Um, but I, I feel like I'm still on the, the beginner path of I have a single thing that pushes me towards a single grape and I need to have a thing pushes me towards two or three grapes and then I can narrow it down from there. I think that's fantastic. I'm still stuck on the first wine, the Coppola, that this is a Pinot Noir, when I was so hell-bent, and so was Courtney, that this that was, was a, Syrah. a Syrah. I have never tasted a Pinot Noir that was so smoky and bacony. That was 100% Pinot. I was then, yeah. even once I was ready to accept that it was Pinot Noir, I was convinced there was a chunk of Syrah, but you told us, Heidi, it was 100%. 100%. So... In defense of the Chianti Classico, so this is a Chianti Classico Reserva. I specifically picked that because I wanted something with a little bit more gravitas. It was still under 20 bucks. Um, I knew this brand via their entry level. I knew that they over-delivered at quality for the price, so I was fairly confident in their Reserva. And as of the tasting note, this is 80% Sangiovese, 10% Colorino, and 10% Merlot fully within the boundaries of what Chianti Classico does. So Chianti Classico has always traditionally been a blend. It is not necessary anymore. It used to be a, a predicate of the region that it had to be a blend, but now you are allowed to make 100% Sangiovese wines. Of course, part of that blend used to be the white wines, um, or the white grapes, sorry, the white grapes, um, the Malvasia, uh, mm -hmm. Toscano, the Trebbiano, um, now, according to the standards, it is not required to blend those grapes in anymore, which is great because when Chianti was experiencing its decline... For the DOC, is it... Or the... DOC or the DOCG. Okay. It is not required any longer, um, which is which is great because when, when Chianti was at its peak of popularity, but kind of at its low point of quality, it's, it's because a lot of producers were trying to 
stretch their production by blending in more and more and more white grapes. So instead of the white grapes being traditionally maybe only 10% of the final, it was becoming upwards of 30% and was really thinning out Chianti. Um, I think Chianti realizes it has a quality issue at this point and they're really trying their best to like not screw it up anymore. Um, but you still kind of have to be picky about your producers. And like I said, I picked this one because I was familiar with it. I'd had the entry level before and I was very confident that the Reserva would be very good. Um, most people who are doing blends these days are only doing the red grape blends. So Colorino being really popular, Merlot being really popular. I think Merlot gave that little bit of chocolatiness that, that we would maybe otherwise not have. And actually Karen McNeil in the Wine Bible says that um, produced in great years, Reservas can develop mesmerizing waves of refined savory aromas and flavors, fig, chocolate, cedar, dried orange, earth, smoke, saddle leather, prune, mineral, salt, and exotic spices. So the chocolate for me, which I did experience on the palate, almost pushed me off into Syrah, just because I remember those amazing Shirazes yeah. we had from Australia that were so chocolatey. But I knew that we were doing Syrah, not Shiraz. And a but, Syrah style shouldn't have that much chocolate to it. So, I, and I don't know, but um, in Wine Folly, on her Syrah page, chocolate is definitely one of the, the notes there for Syrah. Um, yes, but that is Shiraz. Mm -hmm. So, it, it's either. And I don't think, like, I think that's a great characteristic rather than a style. style. And so, it's going to be in Syrah, too. It just might be predominantly something else. Which well, is, and maybe it's because there was that predominant bacon note that I was like, couldn't be the Syrah for number four. <laughs> yeah, so I so regional differences. Madeline Paquette from Wine Folly, some of the things for Syrah that she says is that it's a regional difference. So California, South Australia, Spain, Argentina, South Africa are full-bodied wines with fruit-forward flavors of blackberry, blueberry, sweet tobacco smoke, chocolate, baking spices, and vanilla. Uh, whereas Rhone, Columbia Valley, Victoria, Australia, Western Australia, and Chile are medium to full-bodied with savory flavors, plum, olive, boysenberry, leather, green peppercorn, bacon fat, and cocoa powder. See, oh, so cocoa powder. there's okay. cocoa, chocolate, and, and all, all the Syrahs. So I, I would say pay attention to that, and if you get chocolate... I think there were enough notes here to still send you to Chianti. I will say the chocolate was the one possibly ringer, but seeing what Karen McNeil says about it in the Wine Bible, clearly it does align with Reserva level Chianti Classicos, which is what we were drinking. Super interesting, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Oh my God, it's been such a long night, but so humbling. Oh, absolutely. And so informative. <laughs> Well, we'll be doing a lot more tasting, that's for a sure. A lot more laterals, I think. If anyone has any suggestions about what laterals you'd like to see us take on, God, or, or even suggestions on producers, if we can find them in Florida, uh, obviously we, we're going to do more laterals. We want to do more laterals. We're always looking to challenge ourselves, and it was a challenge tonight. <laughs> and thank you, Sierra, for joining us. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
Siri, if it wasn't for you, I would have had the worst, <laughs> the worst, like, uh, uh, batting average on the whites. <laughs> you totally changed all my answers for the better. <laughs> all right, with that, we are out. <laughs>